BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate. What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome back to The Call Up, your go-to podcast on the future stars of Major League Baseball. As always, we're your hosts, Arm Layton and Jack McMullen. And it's Friday the 13th. Generally means bad news today. It's good news. We're talking about one of the best farm systems in baseball. And I feel like we've said this the last couple weeks, but it's true because we talked about the Guardians the week before. Now we're talking about the Los Angeles Dodgers this week. And we're kind of taking care of the ones that we know are going to take us forever. And I thought we did pretty well with the Guardians last time, Jack, in terms of being efficient with our time. This is probably our next biggest challenge is trying to keep it under an hour and change with these Los Angeles Dodgers. Yeah, so two-part response. Number one, um, I know you're a big fan of like the C-minus, D-plus cliches, right? Like, oh, it's cold outside, but it's heating up inside the action. Um, that Friday the 13th thing was like D-minus, right? It's, oh, usually it's bad news, but good news. We're talking about the you Dodgers. D-minus on that cliche? That was a pretty corny way to open the pod. Uh, the other... Over? No. The <laughs> other <laughs> the other response um, is, yeah, man, I mean... I think we attacked Cleveland well last time we did this because if we're going to test being a bit shorter on each guy, 
better to test it on Cleveland than any other organization because they've got the deepest org in baseball. And there were so many guys to talk about. So we almost went rapid fire, but I feel like we set our piece on each guy and we Mm -hmm. got it done, I think, exactly in an hour, maybe an hour, five minutes. So I I do feel good that we can get this done in an hour. Uh, And I think that if we are efficient with our words, brevity is the name of the game. Uh, I feel like we can inform on the Dodgers system. Yeah, I, I agree, and and I will not try another cliche for the next hour. Thank uh, you. But one thing I do want to note real quick, uh, something we talked about with the Cleveland Guardian system is that you might hear some repetitiveness because of the types of players that they you know go after here that have a lot of the same qualities. There's going to be a certain type of thing that you're going to hear a lot of in this Dodger system with the pitchers. And I thought this was really fascinating because I always knew that the Dodgers had a lot of guys who have better stuff over command, which is funny because it's almost the opposite of, of the guardians. But right. I could not believe how many arms in this system. I was writing up just the same exact freaking thing of like, if the command comes along, this guy's got insane stuff. Just about every single one of these dudes is going to plug in though, and be potentially a bullpen arm. That's the crazy part because you look at a lot of these guys, they've got insane fastball, insane slider. So you're basically giving yourself a really good chance to to get a reliever out of these dudes, but you'll see. So just, just so the people that are listening and maybe they're new to the podcast and they're like, Oh my gosh, I see the same thing about every player. I promise it's not always like this. Some of the best organizations, they stick to their guns and it's why they're so good. And the Dodgers for whatever reason are not worried about command as much as others. And they'll, you know, take those guys that have elite stuff that, really have first round, second round stuff that fall to the fifth, sixth, seventh round because it's nowhere near the zone. And they're hoping that they can help them, you know, harness it a little bit. If they can't harness it enough to be a starter, can harness it enough to be a reliever. And and we'll point those guys out. And I'll be talking a lot about the data on these pitches too, because there's some sorcery type stuff with some of these guys that that uh, they have through the system. I'm going to simplify the pre-draft conversation that uh, these three organizations have with pitchers as best I can. The Rays. Hey, are you weird? Are you kind of fast, but do you have great data? Yes. All right. Congratulations. You're a Tampa Bay Ray. Cleveland Guardian. They just show them a video of Shane Bieber. Do you think you could possibly do something like that? Yeah, for sure. All right. Great. You're a Cleveland Guardian. And then the L.A. Dodgers, they just show him a video of Dustin May. And it's like, do you think you're kind of like this? Yeah, for sure. Do do you have any idea where it's going? No. But look how hard I throw and look how nasty the slider is. (laughs) Yeah. And and that's the trend. So we're going to go right into these other names to watch. There's a lot of them. Um, and, and, you know, we'll probably spend more time on, on some than others, you know, the drill Jack fills in on anyone that, you know, maybe he saw or has some more thoughts on, and I'm going to fly through it. So Jose Ramos, big power guy who swings and misses a lot. This is kind of your classic young, raw, wide range of outcomes. He had 25 homers last season. Exavilo is as high as 111 miles an hour. He's an outfielder, by the way, but he struck out at a 33% clip. He just turned 22. So, you know, he's got time to figure that out. Definitely a name to watch if he can cut the strikeouts down a little bit. The power is is undeniable. Edgardo Enriquez, right-handed pitcher in low A for the Dodgers. Just wasting no time here to write to the nasty dudes with crazy stuff. Fastball touched 101 and his slider is gross. He doesn't have a third pitch, but he's 20, has two disgusting pitches. He probably will, will profile as a reliever. Carlos Duran. Another dude that 
this might be the best slider in the system. I'm not even kidding. Yeah. It is the, the most laughably gross slider I've ever seen. I saw a couple that were over 3,200 RPMs, which is comical. He threw his slider 40% of the time and held, held opponents to a 063, 149, 076 slash line. Fastball is also 94 to 96, but it's really flat, honestly. He might just be a one-trick pony with the slider, and, and that could be enough as a reliever. Rain Donson is an IFA uh, guy that just came up from the DSL. Higher floor bat. He's an infielder. Higher floor for the DSL. Uh, I thought did really well. Uh, smooth swing. Decent tools. Just a name to follow there because he's he's a little bit safer than most of the you know rookie ball type guys you're going to see. Michael Grove, one that you know, one of the names that out of this group is is probably the only one that's going to contribute at the big league level. Grove is a solid depth arm. He he saw action at the big league level last year. He has really good fastball command and a plus slider. His third pitch is is kind of lagging behind, but he can fill in as that swingman spot starter. I think he's a good depth piece, and he's probably going to see some innings at the highest level for the Dodgers this year. We got Ronan Cop, who. Another stuff guy, eleventh round pick out of South Mountain Community College. Cop was a the Gatorade Player of the Year, uh, I believe it was in Arizona. I don't remember what state it was, but he was the Gatorade Player of the Year for wherever he played his high school, and and just really fell out of the draft rankings because of sporadic velocity and sporadic command. Looked good at, at community college there, and and was able to get picked in the eleventh round. Fastball is up to ninety eight. He's a lefty, and and he's got some nasty stuff. He's Worked on a changeup, but the slider looks like the plus pitch. Struck out 38% of batters last year, but also walked 15%. You got Landon Knack, second-round pick in 2020. Dominated high A, but didn't quite carry the success to double A. Stuff isn't as good as the other guys, but I think this guy could be a you know a number five type starter. He did still strike out 28% of batters. His changeup and curveball just aren't near his slider, uh, but the above-average heater, above-average slider gives him a shot. We're almost there, Jack. Johnny DeLuca. Johnny, is that a guy that you saw? Did you see Johnny DeLuca? Yeah, I have seen DeLuca. He's pretty good. Outfielder. Yeah. Good athlete. Solid bat-to-ball skills. Think he could stay in center. He's put up really good numbers. He seems like he could be that next James Outman type in this system. Maybe yeah. not as good as stuff. Or not as good as tools, excuse me. But definitely has a chance to climb quickly. Three more names. Eddie's Leonard, somebody else that I think you probably saw in the past. Yeah. Had a really good 2021 season. Had a pretty good 2022 season. He's an infielder, above average power. Probably not sticking it short, but can play all over. Um, I, I, he's a polarizing prospect. We saw Fangraphs completely leave him off the top 40, and then you see an MLB pipeline. You know, have him in the top 15. I think he's somewhere between there. Definitely a name to follow, though. Nick Frosso, right-handed pitcher, big dude, uh, power arm, was traded in that Mitch White deal from the Jays. Uh, he he fits the bill. I wasn't surprised when the Dodgers went out and got Frasso. He's got to work up or build up his workload. He hasn't thrown a lot of innings, but fastball slider are, are really good, and his changeup is, is solid as well. Then you have Yaner Fernandez, maybe one of the most interesting prospects to watch of this group because he's a catcher who can swing it and also play second base. He's short. Short levers, kind of like, you know, Alejandro Kirk in a way with he's not built like him, but the short levers bat to ball guy that just really does a good job of just spraying the ball all over. He has above average wheels and again, like holds his own at second base. I'm intrigued by him, even if he can't stick a catcher. I like the bat. So he's a guy to follow as well. Jack, fill in as I catch my breath. Okay, scroll to the bottom and we're going to work our way back up. Fair? Yes. 
All right. Uh, Jose Ramos, I love that you don't have him in the top like 15 ish because usually you do 10, then you do, you know, honorable mention types, and, and then you've got, you know, what to come. I, I know Pipeline has him, what, within the top 10, right? But I, I, I like so. that you have him kind of outside that top 15 because he swings and misses all the time. Yeah. Like he's got some serious, serious swing and miss concern. And if it was moderate, I'd say, wow, this dude is crazy tools. And for like, you know, a smaller guy, 6'1", 200, he's got insane pop. But the guy is swinging, missing way too much. Uh, Carlos Duran, massive human being, 6'7", 230. You mentioned one of the best sliders in the organization, if not the best slider in the organization. That size, that bully ball fastball in the mid-90s with that slider can be top flight bullpen stuff, but he could develop into an innings eating starter. Uh, Michael Grove, a guy that you're going to see at the big league level, like you mentioned, like he's fine, whatever. Ronan Cop is kind of like the left-handed version of Carlos Duran, but maybe better. Cop mm-hmm. um, is, I texted you about Ronan Cop in like July, just 9 a.m. on a morning in July. I was like, have you seen this MF's numbers? Yeah, I remember Oh that. my God. Um, and he's just insane. Like he's just another big dodger guy that spawned he's six seven two fifty he's like if kyle muller had way better stuff but way worse command yeah i mean he just overpowers dudes you know and it was just a joke for him but if he can find the command a little bit i mean this guy he's gross yeah knack i don't have much on um johnny deluca another guy like my mind went to james albin he's almost james albin like and i love mm. that you put that in the write-up he is totally james albin light because he's a great athlete I know Pipeline has him as a 60 runner. Um, You don't have a run grade on him, but I'm sure it would be like 55 to 60. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Yeah, I mean, he's he's a good defensive outfielder already, and he can hit it a little bit. Like he doesn't have – you're right. He doesn't have the tools that James Altman has. He doesn't have the 25 to 30 homer potential that Altman does. But he's got better hit tool, so. Yes. So I I think that Johnny DeLuca screams fourth outfielder for a decade. Mm-hmm. Um, Edis Leonard and Yorbit Vivas are cut from a very similar cloth, in my opinion. And I know that we're going to get to Vivas, but Leonard is is another guy that is just pretty smooth and is way more advanced. Like you would think because of how good a year he had in 21, he's like 23, 24 years old. No, nah, like he's a young 22. Mm-hmm. So he's got a lot of time. And then Frasso, you just keyed me in on last week. And uh, stuff's great, man. Stuff's like, great. Wow. It's, it's really about working up, you know, building up the workload. He's a fourth rounder in 2020. I mean, and, and he's already flashed. <clears throat> the changeup is 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 pretty good. Could be plus. And the slider is pretty good. He's he's one of the few guys of this group that has a little bit more showing with the third pitch, I think. And yeah. and a little bit better command. It's just it's just about the workload. Yeah. And then you got Yiner Fernandez. Anything on him? Nothing. <laughs> I love this swing. He's a line drive machine. Cool. Um, so we'll go to the next five, which is, you know, the guys in the 10 to 15 range. And I will acknowledge one thing. Somebody that would have been in this group is Jacob Amaya. And Jacob Amaya gets – and he would have been right on the brink of, like, between names to watch and, and 10 to 15 range. But I think he would have would have made the 10 to 15 range. Yeah. Amaya traded to the Marlins for – Miguel Rojas. Um, but you know, that was a 40 man crunch type of thing. Let's go with river Ryan. This was one of my more fun, um, guys to dig up a right-handed pitcher who had a really nice year overall in high a very interesting path to where he's at, right? He was a two-way player at UNC Pembroke. 
where he played shortstop all over the infield, hit 350 with nine homers, and then also was a reliever. What's interesting is he didn't do that much on the mound, but it was enough for the Padres to draft him. And ultimately, he was traded over in it's for Matt Beatty, which you wonder, you know, the Dodgers do their due diligence. They obviously ID'd River Ryan, and that's who they wanted for Matt Beatty here. And you can see why. So River Ryan, premium athlete on the mound, is a guy who played shortstop. He even hit a bit at the complex, but now fully focusing on pitching. Mid-90s fastball with 19 inches of induced vertical break is, is always good. That's a, a pretty much a plus fastball. And then his cutter and changeup of, you know, flashed above average still still need to to make a little bit of improvement there but overall you got that that lively fastball you've got the cutter and the changeup that have a chance to give him a three-pitch arsenal and he's a premium athlete so even though the command was inconsistent i'm willing to bet that this guy's going to get there with the command and he also has an awesome name yeah he's got a great name and that's really the only thing that i can add about river ryan i i don't know anything about him but yeah excellent name alliteration is the name of the game in baseball Mm -hmm. um you know manny machado great baseball Mm -hmm. name right like absolutely anything with alliteration is awesome and river ryan is going to be excellent well and converted infielders right you know those guys seem to to figure it out on the mound a little bit more you know you look at, at guys that struggled with command that yeah, you know, even like a, a Degrom, we always go back to. But how about like a Josiah Gray? And there's so many others that you know have made that move from in the field to on the mound, and yeah. and a lot of guys can leverage that athleticism really well. Yeah, a hundred percent, man. And like all of the athletic pitchers that we see in Major League Baseball were like ringer position players at some point in their career. Ryan, you mentioned Degrom, you mentioned Josiah Gray. Like those guys are all notable because they did it in college. Yeah. But I'm telling you, like every guy that is an athlete on the mound was the shortstop at the I'm high school. I'm pretty sure David Price was playing like shortstop as a lefty in high school or something. Yeah, right? there we go, man. I mean, like if you do other things and, and we talk about great example for me is Matt Manning. Like Matt Manning was an excellent he was basketball a hooper. player. He was a hooper. And you can see that hooper athleticism on the hill, which is yeah. great. And that provides a little bit of longevity, I think, because Absolutely. you know, you see the job of Chamberlain's who he can't, he can't do anything else in sports besides pitch. Um, yeah. and, and it was a it was a pretty short shelf life. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Next guy, another pitcher, left-hander, first round pick in 2021 out of Alabama high school. It's Maddox Bruns. This guy's stuff is crazy. 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 Fastball that can touch 98. He's 20 years old. And I mean, even even the three-pitch mix right now. I you could almost put a plus grade on, on all three pitches. The problem is he walked 45 batters and 44 and a thirds innings last season, Jack. Yeah. Um, I, watching the video, his arm would lag behind pretty brutally at times. I mean, it was just such an inconsistent release, inconsistent timing with his, with his body and his arm. And I, th- that's something that I think is, is going to get better and better. And when you have the stuff that he has, you can understand why the Dodgers selected him. But, man, it was really inconsistent with the delivery, and then the, the numbers backed it up. I mean, you're walking more more than a batter per inning. It's, it's, it's a little scary. Yeah, it, it's a major issue. But what I will say is, you know, there are some days where you just don't have it. And the burden of the Dodger system is that those days will amplify, like, the struggles in your end of season stats and Maddox Bruns embodies something that I've long considered like one of my favorite things about organizational development. 
the Dodgers take the training wheels off of pitchers later than any other team in mm-hmm. baseball, and it's not particularly close. Yeah. Maddox Bruns started 21 games in low A this year through 44 and a third innings. Yeah. That's two <laughs> yeah. innings per start. Yeah. Um, I've got the, I've got the numbers here. Rancho Cucamonga, the Dodgers low A affiliate, and Great Lakes, the high A affiliate, are first and third when it comes to fewest innings thrown by starting pitchers this past year. Yeah. St. Lucie, the Mets low A affiliate, 444 innings in 129 games. 444, they're second. Rancho Cucamonga threw the fewest innings by over 100. <laughs> 132 games. They're starting pitchers through 343 innings. So just on an innings per start basis, that is two and two-thirds innings yeah. per start from starters. That's incredible. So the training wheels are all the way on, Bruns, and there might just be days where he runs out to the hill and it's like, I don't got it. I walk Dude, three guys. There was. And, and that just balloons everything. Like there might also be starts where he's got it, but he's limited to two innings. So that's the issue. So let me tell you his final two starts of the season. And by the way, it's fastball, slider, curveball, and all three distinct. All three are disgusting and yeah. gross. So he has his last two starts of the season. This was on September 3rd. He doesn't get an out. He walks four and gives up four earned runs. Doesn't get an out. That's it. Next start comes right back. You know, a week later, three innings, one hit. He does walk four, but he punches out seven. <laughs> so seven of the nine outs, he gets himself, right? So, y- yes, it's still bad that you walked four. He walked four in each of his final three starts of the season. But it, it's good to see him kind of bounce back after. I mean, there's nothing more demoralizing than going out on the mound and not getting it out. I, yeah. like, I, I can't imagine – the, the kind of, you know, feeling that that is. But he bounces back. He still walks the four, but fights through that, has a pretty good outing and strikes out seven. And, and I think for him, I don't know how much he's worried about the results at this point. I think the Dodgers are probably emphasizing that. I think they emphasize that to a lot of their young guys, right? Especially a first rounder. Like, hey, you don't need to prove anything. We know how good you are. Let's just work through this thing. And, you know, you saw a lot of bounce back outings from him last year. And, and arguably, that was the best outing of the season from him. Obviously, you'd like to see him walk less. He had some others where he he struck out six and walked zero. So you could technically say that was a better outing. But three innings was one of the longest he'd had, and seven strikeouts was the most he had in an outing. So he finished a little bit stronger. I will be worried if by midseason this coming year, he's still walking guys at a similar clip. Um, I, I, I preach extreme patience with Maddox Bruns because the Dodgers know what they're doing. Of course, they're going to miss on some guys. That's fine. But – they are taking their time with him. I don't think there's any rush and let's see how things go as we go into this year. Now that he's had a full off season to really work on this again, after building up the innings a little bit. Yeah. And and it's not like he's going to get stretched out or anything. You know, I mean, he's going to get to great lakes and still throw two to three innings. Yeah. It'll be another year probably before they start stretching him out again. Yeah. So we'll see. Yorba Vivas, probably one of the higher floor guys in this entire system. 89% zone contact. He plays second base, third base. Uh, only an 8% swinging strike rate is fantastic as well. He walked more than he struck out last year. It's that simple. I mean, guy puts the ball in play. It's below average power, but he's gap to gap. And he's he's comfortable. You know, he hits the ball hard enough to, to split the gaps and run into a few home runs here and there. 38 extra base hits last season. Floor is super high. Ceiling is not that much higher, but with the ability to play multiple spots in the infield, great bat to ball skills, 
he's just a really solid ball player. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm a huge fan of Ivas um, because he is hedging so many risks in current yeah. Major League Baseball. Um, I think every team could use a Yorbit Vivas. Absolutely. And, and Vivas is just such a rare cut these days when it comes to prospects that are within the top 15 of a system. Like there are organizational guys that, yeah, they're going to walk more than they strike out because they grind out at bats, all that. But, you know, Vivas, he still has enough tools. He still yeah. has enough in the tank to provide some of that prospect helium. Yeah, he's not think, Nick Magical, right? Like no, he's, he's not he's Nick gonna, Magical. He's more athletic. He's going to hit the ball a little bit harder. Um, Helps he's got a better left-handed arm. bat too. You know, yep. it, 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 this profile just is way better with a left-handed bat. Makes great swing decisions. And uh, Eno Saris pointed this out recently, and, and this is something I want to dive further into. But I wholeheartedly agree. Uh, I want to just contextualize it a little bit more uh, with a little bit more research. But we talk about chase rates a lot. That's extremely important. But it's also important how much you're swinging in the zone, yeah. right? If you don't swing at all, like a like a George Valera, yes, the chase rates are low, but you're also taking a lot of pitches that you can do damage on Viva swings a decent amount swings at a lot of pitches in the zone that he can do damage with, or at least spray the ball for a base hit and doesn't chase. So it's really, really good overall swing decisions. And, and he's just a really advanced player. I'm a big fan of his. He plays like he plays the game where you're preached in middle school and high school, like do that, you know, play mm-hmm. the game the right way. Like Yorbit Viva screams, Oh, this guy just plays the game the right way. Oh yeah. Fun. And he's smooth, man. What I love the most about Vivas is he's going to provide that defensive versatility. And we yep. talked about Miguel Vargas playing average defense at second, third, maybe in a corner. Vivas can play good defense at second, third, maybe in a corner. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Vargas's bat is so much better than Yorbit Vivas. But, I mean, Vivas will survive offensively. I think he's going to be a great utility man at the major league level. I agree. I absolutely agree. Name that I was not expecting to like this much and, and barely really knew about before I, I did this dive was Jozu DePala, who's outfielder, Dominican Summer League guy, mashed through the DSL. He was signed for 500K uh, in, in July. So he's a recent, recent IFA guy. 349, 448, 522 slash line with, with more walks and strikeouts. Take the DSL numbers with a grain of salt always, but he's 17 years old. And I got to dig up some video and look at this guy's swing. I love the swing. And that's what I really was bought in on. And there's a lot more projection there. 6'3", 200 pounds. He already flashed above average power. I think there could be plus power in the tank. Doesn't move as well as you'd think for, for you know, a young guy like that. He's probably going to be relegated to a corner where he can mash. But, man, I am really intrigued by this guy. And it takes – usually I'm, I'm not that bought in on the DSL guys because the swings just have so many – Moving parts and concerns, this swing is really far along, man. I'm I'm a big fan of DePaul. I'm I'm interested to, to monitor here. Uh, you know, when I think he's going to make it stateside earlier than most. I know you got nothing. I see the <laughs> I don't numbers blame are you. good. Like I don't I, blame you. I see I mean, the numbers are great. You know, three fifty four forty eight OBP. That's awesome. Uh, baseball Reference says he's from Brooklyn, which is cool. Does it? That's yeah, it says he's from Brooklyn. I mean, it's smart if you can. I, I knew a kid down here that uh, Lucius Fox did that. He Lucius Fox to American Heritage in Fort in, in Fort Lauderdale, and then junior year or something like that. Senior year, he just moved to the Bahamas, international George, free agent. And George Valera did that. Mail. Valera what? moved from New yeah. York City to the DR. Um, I know he had some family issues going on, so he he went to the DR when he was like thirteen. 
uh, and then get signed when he was 16. You get to pick your team. It's a little bit better. It's a um, lot better. <laughs> Emmett Sheehan, we don't have to spend too much time on him because literally we just talked about him a lot. Right-handed pitcher in double-A. Just talked about him a lot with Christian Crespo in the last episode as one of the breakout candidates for this coming season. Struck out 38% of hitters in, in high A. He is gross. And, and the command isn't as bad as some of these other guys. He walks about four per nine. Not great, but not as egregious as some of the other guys. He's 6'5", 220. Uh, Plus fastball with with great shape in the mid nineties, potentially a plus plus changeup. It is gross. He's just got to locate it a bit more. And the slider got better as the year went on. So he fits the bill as of a breakout guy to a T. That's why I love that Chris Crespo identified him. And uh, I, I'm excited about Sheehan this year. I think he could be this year's Gavin Stone. Yeah, Emmett Sheehan is a name that screams Boston College. He <laughs> went to Boston College. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, he's another big guy, man, with gross stuff. Six five, two twenty. I mean, they they ID everybody that they're like, yeah, you know what? You're physically fine. If you if you plateau here, we're good. We're very happy with who you are. Yep. And and man, I, I'm I'm expecting a big year from him. Cool. Top ten time. I'm really excited to get into the top ten because again, this is a very very good top ten. And we start with number ten. It's James Outman. And Outman, he had some kind of year last year, man. He, he just finished shy of 20 home runs in the first two full pro seasons and then launched 32 last year. We know it's more hitter friendly uh, in the environments that he's playing in, but that's what the batted ball data is for, right? And the batted ball data is majestic. 107 mile per hour, 90th percentile exit velo was one of the highest in the entire Dodgers organization. That includes big leaguers. He cut down on the whiff, 3% jump in zone contact. He's a great athlete. He can play center. He can play a really good corner because he has a plus arm. I know you're a big James Outman fan. He showed well in a cameo at the big leagues. He's going to strike out, but he hedges it with with great tools and and an ability to lift, which I love because he's going to drive the ball in the air and it's going to carry. So, I mean, he's just somebody that I feel like has a really good chance of at least being an above average regular. When I tell you tools out the ass, James mm-hmm. Altman is tools out the ass. And not often do you find a 25-year-old a who's going to be close to 26 on opening day within a top 10 prospects list. But when you have these kind of tools, you're going to be within the top 10. And it all really clicked for Altman this year, which is exactly what he needed. Otherwise, it's you know, oh, he gets non-tendered or it's, you know, he signs as another minor league free agent and it's, wow, like he's really good, but when's it all going to click? It yeah. clicked before the Dodgers needed to get to that decision. And now he should absolutely factor into their lineup plans on opening day. I mean, the conversation is going to be Miguel Vargas in a corner or James Outman in a corner. And, and sure. I think that Outman makes a bit more sense in a corner. And I think Vargas makes a bit more sense as like a super utility guy. Um, but Altman, man, I, he should get at least platoon chances at the major league level with the Dodgers. I think he's ready to be a major league outfielder. That's what I said. I mean, I think he belongs in, in the bulk of a platoon. Ultimately, I'm not saying it's going to happen this, this year because the Dodgers are so good, but this is a guy that should be taking the right-handed at-bats of a platoon. You know, I, I don't know how well he's going to do against lefties at the big league level. That's okay. Uh, because of everything else that he does. Ultimately it, it's, it's going to be how Jason Hayward looks with them, you know, and yeah. I think, I think they're going to realize pretty quickly that Altman can do a lot more for them than what Correct. Jason Hayward can. And I love Jason Hayward and, and I hope he finds a way to, to, to contribute, but 
Outman seems like he's going to help them a bit more because even if he's striking out at a 33% clip, again, the defense is going to be impactful. The speed's impactful. And this is a guy that pulls the ball a lot. So should be one of the more, uh, should be one of the guys that benefits a little bit more from, from the banning of the shift. He loves to pull the ball. He gets, he, he gets shifted a lot, but he's also showed an ability. I was watching. I wanted to see what it looks like when he goes the other way, he can still take what's given to him and go the other way. So it's not like he can, he, he has to go pull side for the power. I'm really excited to watch Outman this year. I hope he gets some opportunities at the big league level. If not, I hope he gets traded uh, because that's a guy that should be getting regular at-bats. I totally agree. Yeah. Number nine, another guy that's going to contribute at the big league level most likely in some way. And this Ryan Pepio, he's a right-hander who is really tough to to peg, right? Um, I went into this kind of teetering and – you know, I, I got to watch him at the big league level a little bit last year. I've, I've gone through the video at the minor league level. And it's it's frustrating because you see the stuff and you see the command issues. And you're like, what well, is it ever going to come together for him? What I saw, though, made me feel a little bit better. And it's that it's a legit three-pitch mix, right? The slider is better than I thought it would be because it's it's fastball changeup. Let's, let's, let's start there. Yeah, The fastball is, is just about a plus pitch. The changeup is plus at least. It is disgusting. The only reason the changeup is not double plus for me is because of the fact that he doesn't command it that well. And the thing with the changeup was sometimes it was a ton of horizontal movement, arm side, and then sometimes it was more of this fading vertical drop. So if if you don't totally know which way your changeup is going to move because the movement profile was so inconsistent with him with the release point, both of which were gross and swing and miss pitches, but – it, it would it would be an issue for him because when it's running more arm side, sometimes he wasn't accounting for that. Uh, it, you could see it at times. You could definitely see the challenges for him to command that. And then the fastball command was a bit inconsistent as well. But the slider got better, and that's a legit three-pitch mix. The guy just needs to find a way to throw more strikes. The reason why I still like Pepe out as the number nine prospect in the system is you can plug him as a reliever tomorrow. And he's yeah. going to be mid to upper 90s with the changeup that's going to work. And you could have some Fernando Rodney type stuff here. I'm glad you used the F word in regards to Ryan Pepio. And that was frustrating because like that's what I experience when I watch Ryan Pepio. Because obviously the changeup is the type of thing that, I mean, like you salivate over. That changeup is, what do you have the changeup as? 60 grade? 60. It would be 70 if he could command it, which is what I said. Yeah, exactly. Like if that thing clicks, I've seen 80 grade changeups come out of Pepio's hand mm-hmm. at the major league level. 80 grade changeups have come out of Pepio's hand. And it's I wouldn't say it's DL Hall level frustration, but it's pretty close it's because hard. this guy has the world at his fingertips when it comes to his fastball changeup combination. I mean, who was the Blue Jay? Marco Estrada, is that the right name? I think so. That was like 88 to 90 with the fastball and the changeup, and he would get through seven innings of one-run ball because the fastball changeup combination and the way they worked off of each other was borderline unstoppable. Yeah, Papio, when he's got fastball changeup working off of each other and he can put them where he wants, no hit stuff with two pitches. We just haven't seen it yet. And the problem was a lot of these changeups just never had a shot, right? Like the amount of non-competitive changeups he's throwing, like that just, you're just giving away uh, probability, right? If you have a one, two count, the probability of the hitter having it, getting a hit there is, is very much skewed against him, right? 
you throw a non-competitive pitch, you might as well have just had an automatic ball that we see yeah. in the minor leagues, right? Now the hitter's probability goes up a little bit, right? So you're just wasting pitches here. And you're also kind of telling the hitter, hey, I, I don't know where this changeup's going, and they're sitting fastball. And that that was really what ended up happening is his fastball is good. His fastball is really good. But guys were kind of selling out for that because they're they're kind of daring him to locate the changeup. He only located the changeup for a strike 53% of the time. And for reference, I mean, you want to be 63, 64% in that range. And in the fastball, even there at 64% is okay. Fastball, you want to be a little bit higher than that. Slider got better, though, and that's the thing. He actually located the slider pretty well because even when he was losing it, because at times he'd lose an arm side, yeah. it would just back up on him and be a backdoor strike. So he was okay with the slider command. The changeups really got to come along. And the, the crazy thing is no one hits it. Yeah, opponents were 171 against it. It's really just, is it going to be a strike or not? Because guys were just spitting on it. They just weren't swinging at it. Fastball is so good, especially working off of that changeup. The three-pitch mix is good enough to be a middle-of-the-rotation starter. I don't think the command's ever going to be good enough to be a middle-of-the-rotation starter. So it's either back-end guy in the rotation or back-end guy in the bullpen. And it's really tough to figure out which one he's going to be because it, it really is just a matter of command, and that's pretty hard to predict. Yeah. We go to number eight. And this was another dude, right-handed pitcher, who I didn't know if I was going to have him this high. But, oh, my goodness, is he gross. And he's young. Nick Nestrini, right-handed pitcher, reached double A last year, 22 years old. I mean, the stuff, Jack, watching this guy's video, I, I, I saw him on the Cape, and I, I've seen him in a few other contexts. The command also, not not quite there. But, oh, my goodness, is the stuff gross. He's got a plus, almost plus, plus fastball. He's got a plus slider. He's got almost a plus curveball and an above average – or changeup that flashes above average. The curveball was not consistent enough for me to give it a current plus grade, but it projects as a plus pitch. The command is 35, though. So that, that that's where we're at here. But we're talking about three potentially plus pitches and a fourth that could be above average for a 6'3", 195-pound right-hander who's 22 years old. I mean, you sent me a video of his what, slider. Yeah. Hey, come on. He's like, got the gyro. On. It's crazy. Uh, Nistrini is he, – he almost bucks the trend of the pitchers that we talk about. He and Gavin Stone kind of buck the trend of pitchers that we talk about because all the, all the arms that we've mentioned are like big. If you were to hand pick – like a guy to be the best athlete that you've got. It's the big beefcakes that we've talked about. 6'7", 250. 6'7", 230. Um, Sheehan was what? 6'5", 220. Bobby yep. Miller is it, that. He's the gold standard of physical prototype. Nostrini is not necessarily that, but what he doesn't have in physique, he's got in shit that comes out of his hand, man. Crazy. Yeah. 95 mile an hour fastball with, with a ridiculous amount of ride, uh, I mean, really, it's it's top 100 stuff. It's just the command is what keeps him just on the outside of it. Fastball ride is ridiculous. 94 to 96, tops 98, 20 inches of induced vertical break. Again, would be a plus-plus pitch if he could locate it a bit better. Then you also have that slider that's a gyro slider. So I've, we've talked about this in the past, Graham Ashcraft. It's why I loved Graham Ashcraft. Manuel Classe, similar shape. The gyro slider basically drops straight downward. It's not sweeping. It drops downward, but it has a slider spin. Hitters can't figure that out. That that is one of the best pitches in baseball. Most pitchers don't aren't 
capable of throwing that gyro breaking slider or cutter and, and he's able to. So that's a pitch that was just devastating. 22% swinging strike rate on that pitch. And he threw it 20% of the time that that's basically unhittable. It's just about the command for him. It was only in the zone 39% of the time, the curveball, same story, but you know, in terms of vertical break, devastating, it's slurvier, but it's okay. Because if he, if he had more of a traditional slider and then a slurvy curveball, they'd blend together. But he has a gyro, like cutterish slider. Yeah. So even though the breaking ball is slurvier, it doesn't blend at all. They're still very different. And then the changeup has a shot to be really really nasty too. You just that that one's nowhere near uh, being commanded well. But his entire arsenal. You, you look at at what opponents hit against him last year, Jack. One eighty four, two eighty three, three seventy. It, w- would you say it's pretty much fair that t- to say that Nostrini is basically just competing against himself out there? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and there are so many guys within the top 100, within team top 10s that we talk about that are literally only competing against themselves. Nostrini and Ryan Pepe are competing against themselves in this system. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and if Nostrini can figure that out, he's got the chance to be top 50 guy, right? I, with all these graduations that are coming, you know, if he dazzles in Tulsa to open the year and then goes to Oklahoma City, you know, we're talking about this guy as some of the best stuff in all of minor league baseball. Um, yeah. Last thing on Estrini, if you haven't clicked on the video that um, Aram tweeted out, it is in this article. Um, try and describe the way this thing moves because, yes, it's a slider. But is it really a slider? Like it doesn't slide. It doesn't move that much horizontally. What you see, the naked eye, it just kind of like drifts downward. It's I love like the word you jet. used. It evaporates. It hey, really I mean, how can you touch it, man? And it comes in hard too. It's at you know eighty-five miles an hour. So it's it, it's a ridiculous pitch. So if if he can figure that out with the riding fastball he has too, it's game over. It's yeah. game over. Um, one other thing I want to note, note back on Pepe out that I, for, I forgot to mention is yeah. I was talking to MJ Melendez uh, about a year ago, and this is when Pepe out was really struggling in AAA. And I, I asked MJ, you know, who was the toughest guy? And this was when he was, you know, winning the the home run crown in in the minor leagues. And he said, dude, Pepe out when that thing is even remotely in the strike zone, that was my toughest at bat. That guy yeah. is is disgusting. And I was not, I was expecting him to say maybe like G rod or somebody like one of the top pitchers in the, in the game in in the minor leagues. He said, Ryan Pepio was his toughest at bat over that season where he went nuclear. And you know, you can see why. Yeah. And, and I think there's something to be said about being effectively wild as well. Like MJ was probably thinking, all right, I'm, you know, I'm good. I'm going to cruise to a walk here. And he probably didn't cruise to a walk against Pepio. No, no, which is, which is always interesting. So number seven, Another dude that, as I broke down the, the video, got into the data, like just liked him more and more and more, and put we push him all the way to seven here in this top ten. Dalton rushing catcher. He was a second round pick in the twenty twenty two draft, and man, I, I, have there been many players to do much better than Dalton rushing did in his pro debut in Low A? I mean, yes, Louisville guy that was blocked by Henry Davis. So didn't really get an opportunity to to get full-time everyday reps until this past year, but did go to the Cape the summer before his big, you know, draft year and tore up the Cape to a nine something OPS and then went crazy at Louisville, gets drafted in the second round and goes crazy uh, in low A. It was remarkable to watch him hit over 428 games with power. 
he has really, really come on in the last year. And you can see why. I love his swing. It is compact, but it is still geared for power. 105 mile per hour, 90th percentile exit velo, good contact rates, controls his body extremely well. He has it kind of like really down already as a hitter. And I, I think he projects as an above average hitter. He could continue to prove that he could could be a plus hitter potentially. 21 walks, 21 strikeouts, and 28 pro games to debut. I mean, he is he is way more advanced of a hitter than I thought. The only reason why he's not a top 100 guy is that he is well behind as a catcher. But again, worth noting, he barely caught. He only caught that that junior season, yeah. and he didn't get the chance to catch because of Henry Davis. Yeah. And he just doesn't have that many reps back there. Yes, correct. Um, I I think it's funny that like Will Smith is the Dodgers catcher. Will Smith was, I think, a 2016 draftee, last pick of the first round by the Dodgers in 2016. He was a Louisville catcher. After that, you know, it was like, um, I think it was Zach Britton for a minute. Um, Not that Zach Britton, the the left-handed reliever. I think Zach Britton was the catcher at Louisville. And then they went to Henry Davis. That guy can swing it too. Yeah, absolutely. So you go um, Will Smith to a year of like what's going on to Zach Britton, and then you go to Henry Davis, and then you go to Dalton Rushing here. So I think the next everyday catcher for the Louisville Cardinals is going to be the number one overall pick, and then the catcher right? after that is going to be an L.A. Dodger. Like that's just how this is working right now. Um, Dalton Rushing, at this deadline, when the Dodgers make the move for a frontline starting pitcher, do not be shocked when Dalton Rushing is the main piece going back. Obviously, they have Kartaya. Rushing, yes, he was blocked in college by Henry Davis. He's definitely not the top catching prospect in this organization, <laughs> Kartaya. Um, I think this guy has the chance to move. Um, but in terms of Dalton Rushing, the player, he's built like a freaking tank, dude. Yeah. What, 6'1", 220? And I mean, the, he moves too, though. He can he run. Moves. He's an average runner you see the way he's built like a tank in his swing. Like I see the way that his weight shifts in the box. I'm like, wow, that's a big dude that has body control. That's the thing. He's athletic, right? For a catcher too. He's an average runner that he was like playing a little outfield, moving around a little bit in, in, in college when, you know, just for a little bit, but even just the fact that they tried it, like this guy can move around. Um, the question is, how is he going to develop as a catcher? And and there, that's yeah. There, there's definitely some issues there with the blocking and the receiver. I didn't think it was as bad as as the grades he was getting. Like I was expecting it to be worse. His catch and throw skills are not bad. He 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 has a pretty good ability there. He's got to get better with his feet and get better at moving and blocking and all those things that come with reps. But the thing is, is even if he doesn't stick again, for all the reasons you just said, he controls his body so well. He hits lefties well, which is always a usually a great sign of a guy that controls his body while in the box has the power. I think it's going to be 55 hit 55 power with a great approach. That's a guy that's going to climb through the minors quickly as a hitter. So I'm a big fan of rushing. I think he's going to be a guy that pushes his way into the top 100 lists and someone that can climb the minors pretty quickly. So interested to see how they handle him and interested to see how he develops as a catcher. But this is one of my favorite bats in the system with the way he's able to repeat his swing and already get into his power. Here we go. Number six, Michael Bush, second baseman. Who? Th- this is a really tough guy for me, if we're going to be honest, because he has so much power. He gets on base, 
at such a good clip, but he doesn't have a true defensive home. He's 25. And, you know, he's probably seen a little bit of a power bump from his environment, but I'm not too really, I'm not really that worried about it because I, I know that the power is legit. But, you know, that's one that I can understand if people have concerns about Michael Bush. That said, I think the Dodgers are still very high on him. I think they would have moved him by now if they if they had concerns that he wouldn't be a, a big league piece for them. But the profile is a little shaky. Like, he's got to really, really hit because he might not even be a viable second baseman. He might be more of a first base DH type. I think he's excellent. Um and I'm I'm willing to curb all the defensive concerns for how good the bat is. He's such a pure swinger. He's got such a beautiful swing. Yeah, he swings and misses a little bit, but he he supplements that with insane pop. You mentioned a 60 raw power guy, 55 of the 60 future in game power. So he taps into all of it in game. I mean, he is I think he's the type where it's like you plug him into the six spot as a rookie and you're not worried about him at all. Yeah. And, and that's what I love about him. Now the question is, where's the spot going to open up? Is it going to be DH? Like, is he going to be the DH of the LA Dodgers? Not this year. Cause of JD Martinez, yeah. he's obviously not going to be the first baseman because of Freddie Freeman. Who's got five more years on his deal. Is he going to play second? Is he good enough to play second? Is he going to play left? Is he good enough to play left? So there's where all the questions come. I think much like rushing Michael Bush should be, um, somebody to float, especially with Miguel Vargas in the fold. Uh, I think Bush can immediately insert into a team that is not as loaded as the Dodgers and be a middle of the order masher as a first base DH. Yeah. What I love is hits lefties. You said the swing; it's 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 a really pretty swing. Beautiful. He strikes out a lot, but like I, I don't totally know why because he he makes enough eighty percent zone contact is not bad. It's not bad. He makes pretty good swing decisions. It seems like a little bit of the George Valera effect, though, where he likes to get deep into counts. And when you get deep into counts, you're, you're going to strike out a little bit more. Yeah. So it's the way he is. It's Max Muncie light, right? Like he's got the Max Muncie starter kit there of deep into counts, punish mistakes. Can You know, I, I think he's, he's going to be a really solid big league bat. And I'm interested to see if he doesn't fit in here, if he's a guy that's dangled at the deadline. He hits the ball really hard, 112 mile per hour max exit last year he's got the juice so you could you could talk about the pcl bump but this guy's hitting bombs anywhere and he always has kind of hit bombs anywhere so i think he's going to get a chance to break in great feel for the strike zone big power if he can just be somewhat decent at second base now that's a huge win and and really helps his profile but uh, he's probably stretched thin there yeah but i my thing with Bush is like, okay, obviously we're going to watch as much video as we can and we're going to look at the advanced data as much as we can. And then you just look at like the line stats and he's 275 with an 100 point jump to OBP. He's a 275, 365 guy, um, 38 doubles, 32 homers, 108 driven in. You just can't argue with that. Like yeah. he's one of the best hitters in minor league baseball. So. I, I think he's got to figure out a spot at the major league level. And I don't think it's with the LA Dodgers. I, yeah. I think that, I think that he's going to go in a trade and I think the Dodgers will kick themselves a little bit that, that they didn't make room for him. Yeah. I think it's possible. And I, I think they, they like him a lot. Obviously I think he would have been gone by now yeah. um, if, if they didn't feel the way they do about him. So very interested to see how they handle him. Another guy that I feel like just has, has, 
had some of his helium slow for no no real good reason. It's Andy Pajes, outfielder. He reached out. He played all all season in Double A last year, and he didn't put up the numbers that he put up in High A. But he was 21 last year in Double and still launched 26 bombs while playing all three outfield spots. He put together a 102 WRC plus by slashing 236, 336, 468. Struck out. 24.5% of the time, literally identical to what he did in high A, which is encouraging to me, and still walked at an 11% clip. I'm talking about a dude that's had 57, hit 57 home runs over the last two years, and I love his swing. That's the one thing. I really was able to appreciate his swing in the Arizona Fall League where I got to see him take BP, and that video is embedded in there where I literally have my phone like in, in the turtle cage there, like right, right up close and personal, and Man, he repeats his moves really well. It's a swing geared for lift, which is what I want to see from a guy with his kind of power. He's super athletic, and you can see the athleticism in his swing, and he really holds that backside well. He uses his lower half well. It really is about swing decisions for him. Okay, a 21-year-old that needs to improve his swing decisions in double A. All right, I think he's going to do that. I'm pretty surprised that he doesn't get more love and more hype, especially being a Dodgers prospect because he projects as an above average defender in the corner with a mega arm, like a plus plus arm. He's got big power. He can run a little bit and the hit tool I think is going to be average. And that's all he needs to be a really good baseball player. It's not Dominguez level, but Andy Pajes is fighting some prospect fatigue right now. Is he not? Yeah, I I think so. I think so. Honestly. Because he was just so good in 2021. And you've seen a 100-point decrease in a better environment going from high A to double A, right? Oh, you go to Tulsa, you should maintain that 930 OPS. It's really freaking hard to maintain a 930 OPS. 21 in double A. Yeah, so like that's really, really hard. Um, Pajes is a guy that um, I think when, when you look at him, you don't think really good athlete. He's a really good athlete. Yeah. Um, he He looks like... You know, I'm not going to say pot belly, but he looks on the thicker side. Like he doesn't look like he moves as well as a James Altman type. Um, I mean, Andy Pajes just moves like he is. You remember a young Jock Peterson that didn't yeah. look like he could cover ground as well yeah. as he did. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what Andy Pajes looks like. He yeah. covers he covers ground a lot better than you think he should. And he can survive in center. I think he can be an elite right fielder. Yeah. But he can be a serviceable center fielder, much like Jock was. Um yeah. and the power is really freaking good, man. I, I think with this guy he lifts, man. I love the way he's able to drive the ball in the air. And I think he's gonna continue to do that and continue to get better with that. And as as he starts to pick his spots better, I, I really believe he's gonna be if he could be, you know, a high home run guy that's gonna hit just enough. Like even if he's a 250, 260 guy, he's always walked at a good clip. And he gets a lot of bang for his buck, dude. Like he hits the ball out of the yard. Home run to fly ball rates are always going to be strong. And you saw this guy move in the outfield when he was coming up. Like if he's a right fielder with his arm and the amount of ground that he can cover, he could be a plus defender out there too, which means he's just going to be a war, like an absolute war accumulator with with the way he can hit and play defense out there. I think they saw him and they saw a lot of Jock Peterson. And I think without the drastic platoon splits, I think Jock is a pretty good MLB comp to Andy yeah. Pajes. Yeah, and and I, I'm expecting a big year from Pajes this year. Second yeah. taste of double A. Yeah. He's gonna he's gonna do big things. Yeah. We get to number four. 
And this was probably the biggest riser, not only in the Dodgers system, one of the biggest risers in all of minor league baseball last year. Gavin Stone, right-handed pitcher who, man, what a year he had all the way up to AAA. 24 years old. He was a a later pick, fifth-round pick in 2019. Yeah, I think so. But his stuff is crazy. Fastball is plus. Slider is above average. Change-ups plus. Curveball is average. And guess what? This guy throws strikes. Taste breaker. This guy throws strikes. Really refreshing. Um, Gavin Stone had a magical season. And it really was amazing to see because all we were hearing is Bobby Miller, Bobby Miller, Bobby Miller. And he has really put himself right in the conversation with Bobby Miller. I was – this was 2021 in high A – and, you know, you would see these teams for a week. You see them six games at a time. You know, you would be lulled into Bobby Miller, Clayton Beater, Landon Knack. Mm-hmm. And then all of, a sto- all of a sudden, Gavin Stone pops up. And he's 6'2", six, he's six, two, 205. He does not look that. He looks like 5'10", 160. He, he is a smaller guy that um, works downhill. He doesn't use size to his advantage at all. But what Gavin Stone does on the mound is – Absolutely incredible because, yes, he throws strikes, but you've got 60 future on the fastball, 55 on the slider, 60 on the changeup. Those three pitches can come out of his hand at any given moment in any given count, and he can locate them exactly where he wants to locate them. And they were some of the, you know, like I was watching Miller for two and a third innings, and then I was watching Beater for an inning and two thirds, and then I was watching Knack for two innings, and then I was watching Gavin Stone for five. And it was cruise control through five. I think this guy is the epitome of cruise control in minor league baseball. Um, his his pitching approach is simple. He absolutely turned into one of my favorite prospects to monitor ahead of 2022. And 2022, he had a 1-5 ERA. I, honestly, man, I, I think the changeup... I could probably put a 70 future on that. Because it's so repeatable. Like, he doesn't miss with the changeup, and that's why I think it gets the bump. Like, it's obviously, probably, it's just, it's it, honestly, like, I'm, I'm looking at the the written grade here. That's something I, I probably should have bumped to 70 because, one, you look at it, it's, it's, it's disgusting. But the data on it's even crazier, too. It's 30% swinging strike rate when he's throwing it 40% of the time. I, I, like you don't see that 42% chase rate on his changeup. You don't see that in zone whiff of 37. Yeah. What am I doing? That's a plus plus pitch. But anyways, the fact that he has that fastball changeup combination already, you talk about the cruise control that's going to carve up hitters righty or lefty. When you have a changeup that good, like he, he goes right on right with the changeup 30% of the time and still dices dudes up. And then the slider is good enough, right? Like it doesn't need to be elite. If it's average, it's his, is you know, already flashes above average. Congrats. You're going to get everybody out because you've got the devastating changeup that works to guys from either side of the plate, the fastball he spots, and then he'll mix in that taste breaking curveball. Yeah. What's the ceiling of a Gavin stone? Obviously he's not going to quite be an ace, but he's going to be pretty darn good. I think this guy could be a high end three. Uh, yeah. If, if he continues on this trajectory and, and I wonder how soon the Dodgers give this guy a chance, Jack, because 73 innings in double a throws to a one six ERA. Then he goes to hell on earth for pitchers and pitches to a one, one six in triple a in, in six starts. When do we see this guy at the big league level? As soon as possible. Um, 
as of right now, the opening day starting rotation is Kershaw, Urias, Gonsolin, Syndergaard, Dustin May. I so no can we idea. be honest with that group? Yeah. Inevitable injury. I hope I'm wrong. I hope they all throw 200 innings, right? Of course. But so inevitably, yeah. someone's going down there. Correct. Correct. I think as soon as somebody goes down, it's Gavin Stone time. I, I do think that Gavin Before Stone. Or Bobby with, Miller, and I agree with that. Yeah, with how safe Stone's arsenal is um, and with how many strikes he throws, Stone is the option ahead of Bobby Miller. And I don't think you need to outsource pitching talent here. Like, I I really don't think so, man. I, I think that Stone can come up and have the, and I'm not going to say they're identical at all, but I, I think he can have similar success to that of George Kirby. Yes, um, absolutely. Right, because Kirby was a striker. And, and similar struggles at times too, right? Like, hey, you're, you're going to have or some You're throwing too many strikes and you're getting yeah, hit. Yeah, exactly. You give up six, seven hits. You know, if you scatter them, you're okay. There's going to be some outings where you give up six, seven hits. Opportunistic hits, you, you give up a few runs. Like, it's going to happen. But yeah. he's got the stuff to get out of those jams. Yes. Um, I, I think if, if Syndergaard just stinks or if one guy oh, goes down. One. Yeah. Yeah. See, like Syndergaard may suck. That, that's the thing. Very possible. Yeah. Um, and then the other guys, like one of them may go down. And we know that Urias has a shorter leash. Kershaw hasn't been healthy over a full year in quite some time. Gonsolin was fine this year, but he's dealt with his injury issues. I wouldn't hate a six-man rotation if Stone is like showing out in the PCL, right? Like to start the year. I wouldn't hate it. I'm with you. I'm with you. I think they're going to give him a month. I think they're going to give him three starts or four starts in the PCL. And I, I think it might be Gavin Stone time. And and who's to say that Syndergaard, if he's like sucking it up through his first five starts, who's to say that Andrew Friedman and Dave Roberts aren't going to, you know, ride with Syndergaard? I think yeah. that there's a chance that if Syndergaard has a five ERA through five starts and Gavin Stone has a one eight through five starts in Triple A, all right, you know what? We're trying to win the freaking World Series. Yep. Can I can one last thing on Gavin Stone? Tulsa, Tulsa, Oklahoma, which, which is where they play double yeah. A baseball, right? He went to Central Arkansas. Is he from no, but Tulsa? I'm saying double A baseball for the Dodgers. Yeah. Hitter friendly environment, right? Yes. 73 innings. How many home runs do you think he gave up? Um, not a lot. One. Oh. <laughs> where 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 do they play triple A? Oklahoma City. Oklahoma right? City. And and all of the stadiums around there, very, Crazy. very, 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 Crazy. very hitter friendly. Yes. 23 innings. How many home runs do you think he gave up? Uh, three. One. Gah. Two home runs in two miserable places to pitch in over 105, 106 innings. It's so cool. Or, or Sorry, sorry, 96 and two-thirds innings. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. That's going to translate in, in a game where everyone's trying to hit bombs and that's how you get burned. Number three, a guy that should probably hit some bombs at the big league level for the Dodgers this year. Miguel Vargas, he's been one of my favorite prospects. Anyone who's listening to this podcast has heard me talk about Miguel Vargas probably since 2019. The swing is so smooth. His approach is so good. He's somebody that I've been willing to attach my name to for so long. I have so many of his cards, his Bowman Chrome Autos that I've bought on eBay um, like for years now. Like I, I, that, This is a guy that like every time I have a few extra bucks, I'm like, eh, let me pick up another Miguel Vargas card on eBay, and I just continue to do that there. Like Vargas is just a safe, safe, safe profile that is mashed at every single stop. 83% zone contact, 103 mile per hour, 90th percentile exit velo, drives the ball to all fields, gets easy carry on the ball, drives the ball in the air. The swing is just so, so, so smooth. 
And he can play a pretty good defense at third. He can play first. He can play second. You can throw him in the outfield. This is a guy that if I'm building an organization, I'm telling my scouts, find me guys like this. Find me more Miguel Vargas's. And by the way, he struck out 15% of the time last year, walked 13% of the time. He does that like every year. Yeah. Um, Appearances by spot. And I don't need to add to Miguel Vargas, the player. Just know that I am overweighting for Miguel Vargas. I'm ready to watch Miguel Vargas on, you know, regional slash national TV every single night. I'm ready to do it. Miguel Vargas, uh, eight appearances at first base this past year at the major league level. Seven and left, four is a DH, one at third. He can he can play everywhere. Like he can be the third baseman. He can play second. He can DH. He can play left. He can play first to get Freddie off his feet and let him DH for a day. Um, I mean, there are way too many ways for the Dodgers to use Miguel Vargas for them not to use him. Yeah. And, and I really, really hope that Vargas is in the lineup five days a week. For the yep. LA Dodgers this year. And and please ignore his struggles last year. He was thrown into miserable situations to try to sink or swim for a team that's trying to win the World Series. Like, I promise you, he, if he gets consistent at bats, he will go up there and hit. Yep. He is so polished and so well-rounded as a hitter. And the one question with him is the power, right? And this is where we are higher than the industry. I've, I think everyone's got him near hit plus hit tool. I've always had him like that. But a lot of a lot of other outlets have him as like average power. I, I think the game power is going to be slightly above average, but I think there's more power than he gets credit for. 110 mile per hour max exit velo is is more than enough when you hit the ball as consistently as he does, and as consistently in the air as he does. Uh, Vargas is is going to be able to hit 20 to 25 home runs with how frequently he hits the ball. And, and with the ability to hit it hard when it's in the right spot, especially both side. But what I love about him is he'll shoot it the other way too. You know, the way, like I always think about Miggy, how smooth his swing is and uh, you know, how Cabrera used to, if it's pull side, he'll uncork on that thing and hit it 450. And Vargas doesn't have that in his tank, but he, he can uncork on one middle in and, and hit it out. But if it's middle away, tailing away, he's got the back control to just shoot it the other way. So smooth His barrel lives in the zone. 300 K international free agent in 2019 always play the percentages baby ROI. sign a bunch of those guys don't yeah. go all in on one yasel and tuna miguel vargas is a perfect example uh nothing jumps off the page tools wise and here we are with probably one of the next really good young players in the game so when we talk about the perfect ball player it's 300 400 500 slash line right 300 batting average 400 obp 500 yeah. slug miguel vargas 410 games at the minor league level across four seasons Slashing 313, 390, 488. He's a 300, 400, 500 hitter. I think at the big league level, you know, he's going to be that like 280, 350, 360, like 450, 460 guy at the top. And I think there's a good chance he can get there, right? Like he's been that all the way through the minor leagues, as you pointed out. Yeah. Next up, Bobby Miller. And another guy. It's funny because the most elite guys in the system are the guys that have the stuff and at least like decent command. Bobby Miller, pretty good command, all yeah. things considered. First round pick, 29th overall in 2020. You you've seen Miller climb through the ranks. We've talked about him on here, but I, you know, you can you can say the same things over and over again. I love hearing you talk about Bobby Miller because he is so fun. I've pointed something out, uh, which which is pretty crazy in regards to his velo because it's it's 70 grade fastball, it's yeah. 60 slider, 
it's an above average changeup, and it's it's a curveball that's potentially plus as well. I mean, this is a guy that could have legitimately three plus and the fourth pitch above average. Presently speaking, he's pretty much already got four pitches that are above average, and the command is fine. He only walked eight percent of batters last year, and I think it's going to get better. What I love is the fastball. He's got the riding fastball, and he's got more of that two-seamer that he'll run down and and get ground balls with, which has helped him a lot. 51% ground ball rate while also striking out 31% of batters. That's like that Sandy Alcantara thing, right? Sandy was struggling with that because he was all sinkers. He adds the four-seamer now, and he started to get way more whiffs at the top of the zone and can also still get those ground balls with a turbo sinker whenever he wants. Bobby Miller's arsenal was kind of similar in that regard. And, and they're both 6'5". So I, there are some some commonalities there with the, with the stuff and with the size. And by the way, Bobby Miller averaged 99.2 miles per hour on his fastball. So, so like for reference, that would have led all qualified major league starters. That includes uh, that includes Hunter Green. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Bobby Miller. I, so spring training. You know, obviously, they the Dodgers spend it at Camelback Ranch in Arizona. Then every team kind of disperses, and like some teams go to Vegas, some teams go to their home ballpark, and they play like one last spring training finale at their home ballpark before opening day. Bobby Miller, I think it was at Dodger Stadium, wasn't it? Dodgers Angels and like the spring training finale before opening mm-hmm. day. It was like two days before opening day. Bobby Miller was with the team through that spring training finale, and I think Bobby Miller got the start in the spring training finale and he struck out Shohei Otani and then he goes to double A. Is there any more of a confidence booster than striking out Shohei Otani before going to double A? No, I don't think so. (laughs) So, And I say that because his stuff is major league ready. It it absolutely is. Um, I think stone is probably safer than Bobby Miller at this time. And Bobby Miller got hit a little bit in Oklahoma city this past year and Tulsa this past year. Um, it was what it was like 95 hits and 110 innings or something. I almost, um, almost just the fastball was almost in the zone too much at times. I think he yeah. just really has a lot of confidence in pulling it by guys. Yeah. I mean, I, I've talked about Bobby and you know, he was like a skinny kid after his freshman year at Louisville. And I saw him like sitting 90 and then all of a sudden his thighs grow to like triple what they once were. And he was throwing 98 and I was like, Holy shit. Yeah. Great. Bobby Miller. Um, I'm, all the way bought in on, on what Bobby Miller does. Um, he had a four five ERA. Gavin Stone had a one five ERA. <laughs> and that's why Gavin Stone will get the first opportunity. But Bobby Miller has ace quality ace. stuff. Yep. He can be an ace. He could and be Walker Bueller. Could he not? He could absolutely be Walker Bueller. And and I dream of a world where the five man rotation when Clayton Kershaw hangs it up. And it feels like we have the Clayton Kershaw conversation every single Yeah, when he hangs it up, which no rush, Clayton, as long as you want. No rush, please, please, no rush. But a five man rotation in 2024 or 2025 of Julio Arias, Walker Bueller, Dustin May, Gavin Stone, Bobby Miller. I mean, that is so far and away the best rotation in baseball, and it's yeah. not even close. If it, if it goes the way that we think it can, absolutely. So 900 fastballs around. He threw like 890, 900 fastballs last year. How many do you think were above 100.0 miles per hour? A lot of them. Like he is – he's Hunter Green. He's going to come up and you're going to watch the radar 66 fastballs over 100.0 miles per hour. That's incredible. How many above 101? 46. Dude. 46 fastballs over 101.0 miles per hour. So it, this guy absolutely throws cheese. 
command wise, you know, I think sometimes it runs back over the middle. Sometimes he's, you know, almost too confident. He legitimately threw the fastball in the zone 60% of the time, which is elite. 71% strike rate on the fastball. Like he literally just threw too many strikes with the heater. I think guys were selling out for it, cheating for it. And we've talked about this with Hunter Green. Like mix in that curveball a little bit more. Mix in that slider a little bit more. Uh, and, and I think he'll get there. And, and the changeup, he doesn't have as much confidence with yet. That pitch is, is definitely lagging behind the others. But when you have the power curve at 81, hard slider at 88, touches 90, it, it is insane what this guy can, can do with four different pitches. And, and he can be a nightmare for hitters. It's just about mixing it up a little bit. Only a 34% swing rate on his curveballs. That kind of tells me that hitters were selling out yeah. for that fastball. If they saw spin, they said, just just locate it, strike me out like that. Uh, if he can be a little bit more balanced with it, he's going to be a problem. And I think he's going to be an ace in this league. I really do. Let me say one quick thing on um, 101 consistently, because, you know, like so many guys that are 101 consistently that we talk about at the major league and the minor league level are God given. Like mm-hmm. that is Jacob deGrom has God given ability. And at the minor league level, Luis Medina has God given ability. Medina was a guy that we were talking about that was. didn't he say he first did 100 miles an hour when he was like 16 years old yeah something crazy like yeah i mean that's just god given um what bobby miller and hunter green do is a combination of god given and this elite focus on building their body hunter green and bobby miller are built very similarly they're like six four six five they're six they're 220 to 225 and it's all good weight there's no such thing as bad weight on Bobby Miller and Hunter Green no, right now because no. they take elite care of their bodies. They take elite care of their arms. The amount of times that I have seen Bobby Miller four hours prior to first pitch out there with like that half-filled water jug that he's working on hip rotation off a bullpen mound is just insane. I that's, mean, the amount that's of Sandy-esque. Like Sandy is the same thing. He's out there before everybody else doing doing – whatever i mean those guys that take elite care of their bodies and have that god-given ability are the ones that are going to survive for a very long time and be the best and and sandy has god-given ability but he also takes elite care of his body he he wasn't always he wasn't always this guy right he was a guy that got sent down you know at points with the marlins last thing i'll say on miller before we wrap up with diego cartaya fastball 734 ops against curveball 576 ops against slider 552 ops against change up 471 OPS against it's just it's it's there's nothing that you're going to hit against him except selling out for a fastball and praying it, it he leaves it over the middle which as he gets better he'll do less less and less number one catcher Diego Cartaya um this guy is flying up to heading towards one of the best prospects in baseball and I know I always say play the percentages play the percentages don't give the one guy all the money they gave him 2.5 million and, and that's looking real good uh, but there's exceptions and Diego Cartaya as a 16 year old international free agent was considered almost like one of the most polished and, and veteran type catchers that a lot of scouts have ever seen the way he commands the game the way he, he already is behind the dish the way he swings the bat and the bats just gotten better, better, and better. There was never really any concerns about the glove and the way that he's able to call a game back there, but that continues to get better. But what's really impressed me, because I used to have concerns about his ability to – he would get overly rotated. He'd pull off his sliders. Uh, he had some struggles with breaking balls. But he has really rectified a lot of that. The bat looks really good. We're talking about plus power now. 
probably closer to an average hit tool, maybe slightly above. And then we know what he can do with the glove and, and all the intangibles. This guy's turning into one of the best prospects in the game, period. Yeah. Um, he feels, I mean, it's, it's not Wembanyama levels, but like his international signing period felt pretty Wembanyama-esque, right? Because it was, who's going to foot the highest bill for a guy that's a sure thing? Yeah. And not often do you run into a 16-year-old that's a sure thing or a 17-year-old that's a sure thing. But with Kartaya, apparently, like the narrative around him was he's as sure of a thing as you are going to find in international free agency. Which is and, like, you know, it's basically the opposite. It's the odds are so stacked against you. Like this was the first guy where it's like, hey, odds might be almost in your favor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, the only other guy that I've heard that narrative around was Juan Soto. And the Nationals spent big on Soto. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying that Cartaya is going to be Soto. I'm not saying that Cartaya is going to have the impact that Victor Wembanyama has on the NBA. But what I will say is when those guys are that sure of a thing at that, at that young of an age, we could be prone to overreacting to a 700 OPS two months into this season. If, if he's in high A or double A, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or if the strikeout numbers are a little inflated, we could say what's happening with Diego Cartaya Cartaya. Remember that he's 21 years old, <laughs> please. And remember- catching. <laughs> and catching and a really good defensive catcher and puts a lot puts a lot of emphasis on catching preparing um things i've heard about just the way that he goes about it working with these pitchers like he's not just getting his reports for himself as a hitter like that's almost coming secondary so this guy's doing what he did launching 22 home runs last year between low a and high a while putting a huge emphasis on being the best catcher he can and, and commanding and calling the best game he can behind the dish so Kartaya, 21 years old. Adley Rutschman is 25 years old. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Rutschman's 24. He's about to turn 25 on, on February 6th. Um, do you think on, on Kartaya's 25th birthday, we could be talking about him in a similar light to Adley Rutschman? I don't think that's that's far-fetched. You know, I think it's 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 a little unfair because Adley is is so freaking ridiculous tools-wise. Um, in terms of like just just the arm and in terms of of the raw power, but shit, that, dude, kind of so is Cartaya. I know, I know. Adley's arm is probably a little bit better. Um, Adley's hit tool was definitely what what hedges some of the risk because yeah. you know I, I love the way Fangraphs put this. Um, and the like TLDR, Cartaya is a Salvador Perez starter kit. I, I totally agree with that. And, and we're talking about early Salvador Perez, not not this Salvador Perez that all of a sudden can't frame that well and whatever. Like. Yeah. It is an early Salvador Perez starter kit. So he's going to strike out. You know, he's going to be a high 20 strikeout guy. Um, but he's going to run into a lot, of, a lot of homers. He's going to walk a lot. And I think he's going to be in that conversation with Adley as one of the best catchers in baseball if, it, if he continues on that trajectory. So, yes, I would, I would say I agree to a degree. But he has, to, he has a little bit more variance with him just because he doesn't have the the plus hit tool to fall back on the switch hitting to fall back on the you know some of the other tools but in terms of what he can do with the glove and what he can do with the bat absolutely 111 max exit velo already you figure there's probably more in the tank there as he continues to grow a little bit more and in, in, into his man body he's already huge at 63 210 but he's going to continue to just get a little bit stronger and i mean dude to do hit 22 home runs in 95 games between low A and high A is a 21-year-old. Yeah. Or sorry, is a 20-year-old. He was a 20-year-old yeah. last year. And that's remarkable stuff yeah. while catching. So if he gets the bump to double, I don't know if the, if they're going to start him again in high A. I assume he's going to start in double. I it's okay bet. if he struggles. Yeah. Like almost expecting him to struggle a little bit. Like it's it's natural. 
uh, for a catcher that's making that big leap. So do you think they feel comfortable letting Will Smith walk? I think if I think if Diego Cartaya rakes in double A and, and continues to do what he's doing, yeah. I think it's it's more much more possible. So Will Smith, I'm trying to pull up. All right. So he starts arbitration this year. Holy shit, man. Will Smith starts arbitration this year. Yeah, no, they, they got plenty of time to figure they're that in out. Such a good spot. They it's got ridiculous. a lot of time to figure that out. But you know, when Cartai is ready for the third year of arbitration for Will Smith, like they could move Will Smith with a year of control and get a get obviously a king's ransom of a return. I mean, it's it's a Sean Murphy type return because Will Smith is an exponentially better hitter. So yep. I mean, it's wow, man. Wow. They're they're in a really good spot. Last thing I'll say on Cartaya. Against fastballs, 971 OPS. Against sliders, which was an issue before, 897 OPS. Against curveballs, 753 OPS. That's something to monitor. He, he struggles at times to stay back on, on slower velo. He'll, he'll kind of shift his weight forward a little early. Super common with young hitters. And then change-ups was where, where it really can be seen. 544 OPS there, but small sample size. He didn't see that many, that many change-ups last year. So that's the one thing. Can he stay back? Can he use the whole field? He likes to get pull-happy. And that's, again, young hitter with power, wants to go do damage to the pool side, but only a 31% ground ball rate. He lifts the ball in the air a ton, which is great. Yeah, He'll get there. I'd rather see him, you know, be a little bit more patient, let the ball travel, control his body a bit more. That's all going to come along. He's an athletic hitter, all things considered. This guy's going to be one of the best prospects in baseball. And if he has a great start in double A, and he's already right in the top 15 for us, if he has a great start in double A, He's a guy that could be considered in the top five, especially with the graduations. Yep, absolutely. That'll do it with the system. I mean, it is a really, really, really good farm. Again, you can check out the whole the whole farm system in the podcast description. If you're on YouTube, the link will be in the description as well. Please be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Trying to get to a thousand subs already around 700. Really excited about that. So thank you to everyone who's subscribed to the YouTube channel, subscribe to the podcast and left a review there. Jack, any final thoughts on the Dodgers system? I'm just pissed you left Ryan Ward off, 25-year-old Ryan I Ward. <laughs> I know, I know. I thought about putting him in there. Anything on Ryan Ward that you want yeah, to add? He's good. All-around ball player, can hit yeah. bombs. I mean, he's he's Ryan Nota 2.0. Yep, yep, who they lost in the Rule 5 draft. So we'll see what they do with Ryan Ward. But that'll do it. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you have a great weekend and no – no cliche on Friday the 13th. It Thank doesn't you. matter. It's fake. It's it's all make pretend. Thank you. We will talk to you about prospects next week. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.